0: Around the NFL Podcast. Time to shine. Indeed, welcome to another edition of the Around the NFL Podcast. Week one edition, that is. Flagship show. My name is Dan Hansis, joined by a virtual room for at least one more week. Filled with some heroes. Mark Sessler. Greg Rosenthal, and yes, we have seen the first Sunday of the regular season, and and what does it do? And this is, I probably said the same thing last year, and if I didn't say it last year, I said it the year before, that first Sunday is a glorious thing, because what it does is it upends all of the various off-season narratives, all the things that we all, and not just the three of us, everyone is so sure of, so many things get upended totally, Uh, based on one game of football. And uh, as we go through the games today, uh, Mark, that's what we're going to see. A lot of stories or a lot of ideas about teams that we thought we kind of had a beat on. We do not have a beat, and that's one of the beauties of the actual playing of the games.
1: You quietly want to get to week two because it is sort of an unmasking of the entire um, public that covers football. (laughs) It's like, wait a minute, you've been talking for seven months about um these rock solid takes and, and life scenarios that you're sure are gonna unfold on a football field and you've been proven wrong most most all of you um and if not this week next week but I think also it's like week one and I'll say this real quick but like you come out of it maybe a couple teams today thought, you know, we're not a very good team. You had a win today you're feeling kind of you're playing with house money. If you come out with a loss, you're like, wait a minute, this is back in my life. This little amount of sports heartbreak that has been gone, not, you know, it hasn't been trenchant more and than it a stabbing you. I mean, it's not. It's like the, those feelings come back. You're attached oh, I know to these you're teams about, again. So well, I'm talking back. about a lot of things today because as a group, we <laughs> took a huge massive L <laughs> oh. in various
0: territories. So. Oh, what a, tough, what a tough start for the pod. We got swept on our lock predictions. This really, again, builds back, back into the La Rabil Magnifico of the entire uh, experience. All of our favorite teams lost. The Patriots, the Jets. Uh, well, no, the Browns. That, well, that's true. The, the Broncos won. So so one of our <laughs> That's favorites. true. Congratulations on that, Greg. <laughs> Even the Titans went down. The Gravedigger takes an L. Gravedigger.
2: The Gravedigger
0: was on a massive winning streak in life until now. Now it's all downhill. The Bengals won, and maybe uh, Wes, in our first season without the man, watched it somewhere. I like it. He has, like, a drink in his hand. Uh, he watched it, and maybe he's building a new dossier. Why I'm falling mm. back in love with the Bengals. Who knows, but... Uh, good day for Cincinnati uh, football fans. Uh, Greg, we're going to dig into the games. Do you have anything you want to share before we get rolling? No,
3: just want to clarify. When you say, you know, for one more week, you said, you know, some heroes for one more week. We're all going to be here for one more week. We're going to be virtual for one more week. We'll be back in person. I'm just, you know, don't want anyone to be worried that one of us. will. Not Do I have
0: leave. to hit you with a Deb Hansis? Don't spit in the sky. <laughs> I hope we're all back together next week. All right, let's get into it. And Mark? we got to start where we got to start, and that is Arrowhead. In the game, pump faking is Mayfield. Now we'll throw it to the left. flat. it's going to be intercepted! Intercepted on the far side by Mike Hughes in his first National Football League game with the Chiefs! The former Viking first-round pick picks it off, and the Chiefs are going to pull this game out after trailing for 53 game minutes. Mitch Holt is with the call, WDAF, and uh, welcome back. Sam Spence in the NFL. Most beautiful music of the 20th century. Patrick Mahomes threw for 337 yards and three scores. And yes, Mike Hughes iced the game with an INT of Baker Mayfield in the final minute to lift the defending AFC champions to a 33-29 win over the visiting Browns. Mark, it was it's just so damn hard to beat the Kansas City Chiefs. The margin of error is so small, especially in that building
1: yeah I mean we were texting throughout, and I tried to not bug you guys too much about it um but you could I, I you know I thought that Cleveland answered out of the gate um many questions about who they could be this season I mean their first half they were perfect if if they played every half of football, three straight played. three straight touchdown drives that I thought marked them as their characteristics are aggressive um they're going to go edgy. They're going to und- they're going to dump the whole playbook to beat who they need to beat. And the strategy clearly was, we know Kansas City, even though they were held to 10 points in the first half, they will score. And so we can never take our foot off the pedal. But if you're the Browns, you're not the Chiefs. And you just cannot let the mistakes start to creep in. And I, I could feel the game getting away from them bit by bit. It was the uncharacteristic chub fumble um, with about two minutes into the third quarter. Okay, you have... Uh, the Tyreek Hill mystifying John Johnson on that 75-yard touchdown that made it 29-27. Jamie Gillen, uh, the Browns' very reliable punter a year ago, botching the long snap as as Arrowhead was going absolutely nuts. I mean, the crowd was a huge factor. And then, you know, I thought there were little tiny moments, like the shot to, Sh- to Anthony Schwartz, the rookie who played really well for the Browns, broken up by Juan Thornhill. It's just Cleveland started to not close drives. When Miles Garrett sacked Patrick Mahomes, though, they had a chance. There was a moment that just reminded you of last year. And I know this game is not—I don't care about the Baker Mayfield interception, but it happened, and the drive ended that way. The game ended that way. Uh, I thought that Baker Mayfield, there might have been a little part of him that was trying to throw that ball out of bounds, but he got caught up. Um, Dan Sorensen grabbed his foot a little bit. I, you know, he can answer that question, but it wasn't some sort of dunderheaded. Um, ill-equipped quarterback mistake, but it was his one poor throw of the entire day. I mean, he really was almost perfect um, outside of a couple little miscues. And I thought that overall you could look at the Browns and say, wait a minute, this team actually, for the first time in about 20 years, is picking up and building off where they were a year ago. But so were the Chiefs. And Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill were completely unstoppable, especially Travis Kelsey. It's, it reminded me very much of January's game in that sense, no matter who Cleveland added on defense,
0: I, I think if you go best, who are the, the best combos of quarterback and receiver? and I know he's a tight end, but you know as a pass catcher ever, at least in my lifetime, I think about Montana and Rice, and then you think about maybe Brady and Moss in that magical year of 2007. I got to put Mahomes and Kelsey right there, and i'm I'm watching the game, and I, I have a soft spot for the Browns because of Mark, so you're rooting for the Browns. But I'm thinking to myself, God, geez, I mean, imagine being a Browns fan and being this close to getting over the hump against a team like this. And every time you try to get a big spot, these guys are doing these outrageous plays. And I know Kelsey wasn't as flashy, but he got his big go-ahead touchdown. But the Mahomes, these plays that Mahomes makes, when he rolled to his right, and you mentioned the touchdown when Johnson got caught, I guess, snapping, but he gets flushed all the way to the right, falling out of bounds, 75-yard touchdown. That's just, we've never seen that from a quarterback. And that's the type of play that no team could stop. Not not the Browns, not anybody. But I guess, Greg, for me, the thing with the Browns in terms of they did get the ball back. They got the big play from Miles Garrett. Uh, but just like last year at the AFC title game, when they couldn't put together that last drive, they couldn't put together the final drive. So it's like finishing. That's maybe the last part of this for the Browns in terms of being a true Super Bowl contender. Right. You,
3: you turn the ball over twice. And I don't even know if that includes them not being able to get the punt off. I think it does. Uh, that is a turnover. Uh, you're not gonna. You're not gonna win this game. They they had the recipe to do it. They did the whole shorten the game thing. The 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 Chiefs got eight drives in this game. The Browns got nine. And I always say, well, that sounds good, but you have to, you know, don't shorten the time you're uh, gonna lose. The Browns are so efficient on offense; it makes more sense for them. Like when you can go touchdown, touchdown, touchdown. Unfortunately, they didn't finish off that long drive in the end of the second quarter. Then that shortening the game thing works. You like you look at the score, 33 to 29, like you would never think that each team only had eight or nine possessions. It's crazy. And so then it comes down to one play. Baker Mayfield's not going to make the crazy play like Mahomes did. And defensively, I I know the Chiefs weren't great. But ultimately you call a safety blitz you get Daniel Sorumston to hit Baker Mayfield on that play he was trying to throw it out of bounds I mean there was no question about that Romo said that Mayfield confirmed it after the game it, it you know looked pretty clear so I have no reason to doubt you know Baker saying that and and that's your ball game like it just you're right about the the margin for error because they they essentially played their game by the way without Odo Beckham they kind of they had faked everyone pretty well there. I was wondering. They did, and then people sounded so confident. I was like, this guy hasn't taken a hit or played full contact once in practice, and everyone seems so confident he's playing. And they had faked him. Why he wasn't, wasn't he out playing there. though? I don't. I don't he's, quite... he's not ready to play, which is which is a is. concern. I mean, he hasn't fully practiced, like really practiced one time yet, and and they're being careful. And he clearly I isn't back to one hundred percent.
0: Week two is the big. It's going to be the big thing to watch with Odell because if he's not playing week two. Then you start to be like, "Uh-oh, is there a little hitch in this that we didn't know about, and they've been keeping uh, under under wraps?" I I loved I, Baker in this game, Mark. I thought, yes, the, the last turnover aside, he made so many big money throws. I thought uh, Tony Romo, and I by the way, I'm, I kind of I see what you're talking about with Romo. Oh my God, he's so and I get it. Part of the, what makes the Tony Romo' experience so great is he's his infection. He's so infectious. His joy for the sport comes through and who brings more joy to a football fan than Patrick Mahomes. So that makes sense. It checks out. It's not like anti-Browns but when Patrick Mahomes is on the other side I mean he's Michael Jordan. Like we're in the yeah. we're just
3: starting out Michael Jordan's career playing this, football. This, so this, this is what this, people Patrick are going right. to
1: but, but you can sense though it's not it's really not a Romo thing because I thought Romo actually did a ton of homework on Cleveland and couldn't have been more complimentary about aspects of the Browns too. So I'm not trying to be some Homer, but it's the two straight Browns games in a row. And these games turn out to be like three and a half hours now. (laughs) So we're talking seven hours of Romo gushing over Mahomes. I just need a little bit of a
0: different scenario uh, next week. That's all. Patrick Mahomes in September in his career. And sometimes you could chop these stats up and it's like, all right, September, well, that's the least important month of the year. If you want to look at it that way, whatever. This is the craziest stat I've ever heard in football history. 9-0. and Okay, whatever. 35 touchdowns. Whoa, that's a lot for a month that only has four months typically. Zero, zero interceptions. This guy, we might be watching the best quarterback ever. It's in the conversation. I I told
3: told you that after what season? season You did a nice job of that. You did a nice job of that. And and you come out of this game though, Mark, I'm sure you feel a lot of things. But you, Njoku backed up what you heard in camp. Schwartz makes some plays. That's big. You didn't even have OBJ out there. I, I think the probably the number one thing, you know just not having watched it as close as you, is ultimately the offense did get three cracks in the fourth quarter. So it's not just that he couldn't get the ball out of bounds. You are an offensive team. The offense played great overall today. But you got three cracks in a row that didn't go anywhere. In, right. When it matters, right. so that's You're the right. next step. That's it is, step.
1: and I, you know, it's we see this in sports all the time, where Team A is trying to get over Team B, and you know, the Browns and Chiefs are not dyed in the wool rivals, but of recent times they are, and Cleveland's not quite there yet. It was the one game I watched today, you know, that I watched closely, where the crowd made a huge impact, and we kind of forgot about that obviously last year, but Baker Mayfield couldn't hear at times. There were penalties driven d- drummed up by that, so it was a huge
0: factor as well. But- the hope here is that you are the late 80s Bulls and the Chiefs are the Pistons, and you will get over that hump. But every, every champion has to do it, and that's what the Browns are trying to do. That's what the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Buffalo Bills are trying to do, get past the Chiefs. But first, they had to deal with each other.
2: Fourth down and 12, punt a formation. Bit. Mid-season hey, and form. Picked up by the Steelers
0: into the end zone. That's a Pittsburgh touchdown on the block punt. <laughs> Bill Hillgrove, WDVE, with the call. The Steelers are still the mother flipping Steelers. Mike Tomlin's the smothered Josh Allen and company, and Ulysses Gilbert. Gotta, we need more Ulysses <laughs> in the world. Gilbert returned a block punt nine yards for a score. Pittsburgh rallied for a 23-16 win over the Bills in Orchard Park, and they got to do that thing. It's the best thing. It's the most rewarding thing as a fan when you your team goes on the road, enemy territory, in a very hostile environment, and you deliver a, a kick-ass performance, and the game's over with, like, three or four minutes left in the game, and you see the comeback from commercial where they're doing, the, like, the Subway ad graphic on top, and then you just see all the people leaving the stadium <laughs> because you've ended this. not only did you defeat— the home team, you you took away the will and the spirit of the, the, the fans and you sent them back to the parking lots. But it didn't seem like it was headed that way because the Steelers were down 10-zip in this game. Um, and it was a very slow start. The Pittsburgh offense had three first downs and 54 net yards on its first six possessions. It basically looked like, oh, here we go again. That collapse of the offense in the last season didn't matter that Matt Canada is now in the building uh, and you're ready to blame Canada nailed it. Um, But guess what? (laughs) They get hot. They score on each of their first four possessions in the second half. Ben Roethlisberger makes a bunch of big time throws, big Ben type throws and your defense does the rest. And Greg, this is a Bill's offense. We talked about this on the Thursday preview podcast, a Bill's offense that shredded Top 10 units all last year, uh, and they could not get anything going, especially like sh- big strike plays. They couldn't get anything going against uh, the Pittsburgh D, and that bodes very well for the Steelers going forward. I mean, not, nine targets for Stefan Diggs,
3: 69 yards, 12 targets for Beasley. Catches eight of them for 60, but you know, so that's 17 throws to their best two players. None of those plays went over 13 yards there you know no one no one can like look at the Steelers' game plan of the last two times they played the Bills and exactly copy it cuz they don't have the bones and they don't have the players and everything that the Steelers have but the Steelers defense did a fantastic job against Buffalo in week 15 for about 3 quarters last year and the offense That's was true. so bad uh that they just eventually buckled and then they do it again here Josh Allen averaging 5.3 yards per attempt TJ Watt comes comes off you know this contract that he signed since we last spoke massive deal and immediately shows up with five QB hits. I mean, that is, that is next level. That is, Hey, I'm the best defensive player in the league type of stuff and getting a road win. I mean that it make, it does make you think a little differently about the Steelers right off the bat.
1: Well, and especially their defense, which I think we were noting that their defense was going to be a positive factor, but like Cam Hayward looked fantastic from some stuff I saw. I, you know, last, last year, When they played each other, the Steelers were starting to become mired in their in their woes. I mean, they still ran the ball today for what, like under three yards per carry or something. I mean, the game—if
3: there was the usually the game would have been over at halftime because the Steelers' offense was so bad, right? But they
1: they almost worked out of all the issues and problems that we had hampered them with and mentioned, um, almost like in a microcosm way inside this one game. I mean, I look around the league; I'm not sure there's a, a more if you're a Steelers fan, you could be as happy as any fan base in the entire league with what happened today because we were talking about the Bills as a lock and load AFC title team. Josh Allen did not play well today, and the defense, sort of the Steelers defense, controlled the game. I, to me, it leaves me with a little bit of concern about the Bills in general. Just that you mentioned this, and it's Dan. It's not like we want to, you know, grip onto this yet. But can you really expect them to be quite as perfect and flawless mm. as they were a year ago? Because that just doesn't happen
0: to offenses. Uh, Typically, And the Bills had only done that for one season. And that is, and yeah, we're not going down that road and saying that teams have figured out the Bills, but teams did have an entire off season to study what works so well for Brian Dable. And now they have more tape uh, based on uh, what happened in this game. Now that said, I will say this, and the Steelers deserve all the credit in the world, uh, that defense of what they did today. But the Bills had opportunities too. I mean, there were were plays left on the field in this game uh, early on um especially where this could be the, if they execute the, the way they did when they were in top gear for most of the last season like they did last year it's probably a different outcome uh but that just is not the way it worked out and i guess Mark you already answered the question but Greg i was i'll ask you this game does it does it strike you as something like it changes the way you feel about the Steelers more um or on the other side of it is the Bills does it, do you now have more doubt or is this just one week and we'll leave it here doesn't change uh,
3: how I feel about the Bills at all. You you outgained the Steelers by 120 yards. Your defense held the Steelers to 250 yards, which is you know next level. Ben Roethlisberger is getting a lot of slings and arrows from most people watching this game it's a great defense it's it's one home l i'm not worried about buffalo at all but it does give you a a frisky feeling if you're a pittsburgh team that you're going to be able to maybe win some games in different types of ways and that people are digging their grave i mean
1: damashek is tweeting up a storm i've seen i've i've been i monitor damashek's tweets um because he targets certain things that i care about um and he seems (laughs) to go off on those things in a very unmerciful fashion but um he was a happy boy today. So I'm happy for Shaq. You know, I can uh, be a nice friend. No, you're friend. not.
3: No, you're no, not.
1: I'm fine. First of all, you knocked off a Bills team that's going to be right there, too. This is one of those games where whoever loses, like, if you think of your own team as a contender, it's not a total loss.
0: Right. But, like, you could say just, like, certain, when you have your favorite team, there's always one other team that if you lost and then they won, it makes the day that much worse. The well, Steelers ex- are probably They're extremely extreme
1: annoying. Game. They're extremely annoying yeah. to me.
0: Well, yes. Still, a lot of football left, and in a lot of ways, uh, Mark, you could look at it this way: with the added game to the season, the season hasn't even started yet. That's that's how long the season is now. That does not help me at all emotionally. Games, Eighteen weeks. All right, let us uh, move. By the way, shout out Kicker Club, popping bottles. Chris Boswell was excellent in this game. Hit all three field goal attempts, including the game ceiling four, forty-five yarder with two forty-two to play. Just a really solid, strong close to that game. It was Pittsburgh Steelers football. Let's head to Indy. Second down and 20. Russ steps up in the pocket and he's going to let fly deep downfield. Got a man open locket. 10, 5, stumbles. He's in. Touchdown Seahawks. Steve Rabel with the call. Russell Wilson threw four touchdown passes including that 69-yard hookup with Tyler Lockett as the Seahawks coasted to a 28-16 win over the Colts at Lucas Oil Stadium. Greg, the new partnership between Dangerous and offensive coordinator Shane Waldron is off to a tremendous
3: start. You almost are, you know, as a football fan, a little worried that this went too well for Seattle. I mean, this was Pete Carroll's like dream game. Russell Wilson barely throwing the ball at all while they win comfortably. He threw 23 passes for 254 yards and that wasn't like hey we got a big lead and sat on it he, that was where he was like halfway through the game he was like nine for 11 at halftime and yeah that that works out okay when like you can hit bombs one team's explosive one team's not Tyler Lockett you know four for 100 but almost all of those are in two catches you know two long touchdown catches you know one of the most underrated receivers in the league I, I, he's, he's been called that for so long I, I'd like to think he's not still underrated properly but like, rated like, now Like, I don't know though. I think he's a top 10 type of receiver and he wasn't, he wasn't in the, he wasn't in the top 100. Um, and it was pretty cake city. Like they, they had the explosive players and I just don't see the explosive players on Indianapolis's offense right now. Yet they had to work really hard to move the ball up and down the field.
1: It didn't help that the Colts didn't have Xavier Rhodes out there who played well last year. Um, they just weren't last year's defense, which was so reliably, you know, for stretches totally dominant. Uh, I think it's a huge development for Seattle that Russell Wilson's, you know, happily employed in an offense where he can throw four touchdowns. They didn't need him to do everything. They looked dominant. I mean, in there, it, it sounded like from some of the stuff that like Seattle's own defensive front really handled the Colts. I, it's just, uh, I mean, Wentz, though? Did he did he look to you spry? Did he look healthy? He had a couple couple throws where he was on the run. He looked good to me.
3: It it was. That's a surprisingly good performance from Carson Wentz. I actually thought Wentz was the least of their problems. So if, if you're looking for a bright side as a Colts fan, you just were reminded like, oh yeah, Frank Reich's awesome. Like he put Wentz in positions to succeed with open receivers. The problem is it when it's third and long and you're always running screens or you're always throwing short of the sticks and you're kind of counting on the play call to get it done for you. Like that's a hard way to beat good teams, but, you're right. The Seattle defensive line, I think, is sneaky good. They're very deep. They won their matchups against the Colts' offensive line for the most part. I thought Wentz handled it about as well as he could. But ultimately, like they did not score for most of this game. They had a big drive early and a drive late when it didn't matter and ultimately couldn't score.
0: Indy doesn't have big-time splash players. No. I, I like, Taylor needs to be Taylor. Yeah, I, I like Michael Pittman as a prospect. I know T.Y. Hilton, he'll come back eventually, but he's also you know up there now. Jonathan Taylor is their big playmaker and uh, held down, obviously, here. He had 17 carries, never a bigger play than 12 yards, averaged three and a half yards a carry. Naheem Himes, he didn't do much either. So if they can't get the running game going, you're in that situation where you're putting a lot on a passing attack that you know, is obviously a work in progress right now. Um, but that would be, I guess, a positive to take out of the game, Greg, if you're saying that Wentz did not look lost. I kind of thought they were going to come out of this game and he would have been limping around and playing poorly because he doesn't know the, the offense well enough because of a lack of reps. But it looks like he wasn't the problem. And you got to give credit to Seattle's defense, which they took care of business, especially in the trenches. Ten, ten QB hits.
3: And Wentz had three sacks. You, know, if you look at the the stats, and Wentz ends up with like a twenty six QBR, that looks like more of the same. I just, maybe it's the low expectations, but it just didn't feel like he was their problem. It, their offensive line, though, could be a long term problem. You know, Eric Fisher didn't play in this game, but you know, asking a guy to come off the Achilles, you know, an Achilles injury and save your season at left tackle um, might not do it. So they got to play a lot better. But I'd feel very good if I'm Seattle. That the NFC West looks preposterously good right now.
0: Quentin Nelson make it through that game, by the way. He had the bad back. Yeah, Yeah. he played. All right. Let us now move uh, to the NFC, and, uh, yeah, this one was a stunner to me. Straight back in the pocket. He's looking deep. He's looking for Deontay Harris. He's open, and Deontay makes the catch. See you later, bye. Touchdown, Saints. Mike Haas. You're Haas. With the Call WWL. (laughs) Jameis Winston was LASIK-focused in his debut as the Saints' QB1, throwing five touchdown passes in a glorious... I mean, I turned this game off at 38-3. Is that where it finished? That is. 38-3 romp over Aaron Rodgers and the Packers at the Saints' temporary home in Jacksonville. Um, Whoa. Mark and I locked up the, the pack, and guess what? We're eating the poop on this one, buddy boy. And, Disaster and uh, and good, good for the people of New Orleans dealing with the destruction of Hurricane Ida. They get to sit down if they were able to watch the, watch this game, and they're treated to it. Just a, a a brilliant performance all around. And and Winston, he was tremendous, but he was not alone. I thought their front seven, the secondary, the coaching staff, um, even uh, Sean Payton called out the operations department for the Saints after the game, for everything they had done behind the scenes to make this process moving from New Orleans to Duval to get set up here. Uh, <laughs> they obviously did brilliant work because the team looked comfortable and ready to play. And uh the, the Packers, quite frankly, Mark, they look stunned. Uh It was a buzzsaw game, straight up.
1: Yeah, it's like I, I was tracking this and I, I, I looked at, uh, you know, minutes into the third quarter, they put a graphic up. Noting that New Orleans had had 26 plays uh, in Green Bay territory, where the Packers, in reverse, had had two. Uh, And you know, and there were back-to-back horrid um, picks by Aaron Rodgers, who you know, and Aaron Rodgers obviously has had a rough offseason, a weird offseason. He looked a little uh, just despondent to me when I when I noted him. Uh, Does he have the Are Bruce
0: Arians uh, disease? He's just I don't maybe know not so into it anymore? I,
1: It doesn't seem like I'm one that should be calling <laughs> the, these things out because I probably was totally wrong about Bruce Arians. But he just you know seemed obviously only given
3: f- it the probably after the Super Bowl championship. <laughs> still, right, still <laughs> right. holding out some hope that you were right and that well Arian's I do think po- I do
1: I pack into I also pack into that Arians's uh, broadcasting stint where he seemed very bored to me.
0: So that I am I do think it, I got to your parts point, of that Mark, right. To your point, like the fact that. Aaron Rodgers is now looking like a more fit version of the big Lebowski. Like, he right. just he just looks like the dude with the long hair and the beard. Well, tell me about his I, game, like, I did not watch this one closely. He had 69
1: yards at half. But by the way, Winston had 65 and became the first quarterback, like in the modern era, to throw five touchdowns, but less than 150 yards. So this was a weird one.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Field position, baby. Because like, I, it's not like, like Alvin Kamara had a, a massive game either, right? Is 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 did he like
3: just play bad? Was the offensive line bad? I am stunned when when Aaron Rodgers averages under five yards
0: per attempt. You know he they they he could went not get anything going. Yeah. They could not get anything going in this game. And you you know you're used to like what we saw for instance with Baker and the Browns for most of that game. The mistakes notwithstanding, where they're just getting whenever they need a conversion, they're just going up and down the field. That's all we saw from Aaron Rodgers and the Packers for the majority of last season. to So to see them in third and longs and to see him, uh you know, have a miscommunication downfield leading to an interception, to see Devontae Adams not be able to uh get the big third down conversion. I mean, where's Randall Cobb, the security blanket that uh Rogers whined about to get not him back in the building? playing much
3: for must, much of that game that I noted. He was the, not on the field.
0: The, so it was just everything uh, came very difficult for, and I think, and again, you don't want to make too much about week one, but I think things <laughs> snowballed. I think it was uh, one of those things where you got off to a slow start and you're like, all right, we're down three. Huh, we're down 10. Whoa, we're down 17. It's like, <laughs> oh, we get this score. We'll be back in the game. Ooh, I just threw an in interception. Oh, and then they went down and scored again. Now it's over. It was like one of those type of games. So, uh yes, a bad start for the Packers. And all the, I was thinking about all those fans, Green Bay fans. Like, we, you know, I've always wanted to go with my boy to Lambeau and we never can get the tickets, but... We found a way. We're going to Jacksonville. There's no Christmas this year, but we're going to Jacksonville. You're going home early to the parking lot, too, the old parking lot walk.
1: But what was the what was the crowd breakdown there? Because we asked that on last week if we thought it would be – would they get, you know, 80 – they said the Saints, that Sean Payton actually went on to, like, um, Expedia to look for the most impossible, most expensive locale for Packers fans to actually have to go see a game. So did that work? Was it you know, more Saints fans?
0: I wish I could tell you. I wasn't plugged in too much on that. And again, it's you hard to hear. Even... You could hear their cheers. but There was a lot of Green Bay fans, but since they had nothing to cheer about, very quickly that became not even issue or anything, sure. anything anybody <laughs> were talking about. But, Didn't
1: hear a peep from Packers fans after about four minutes in.
0: <laughs> but that last, the highlight you heard of the bomb touchdown, that was just the exclamation point um, for what was just, just, it just couldn't get better. You can't get any better for the Saints after what's been a really tough month for the team. Uh, I, I think that's dominate. a factor. I think it's a factor. I mean, you can never,
3: you can never break this down analytically, but in a game like football, like where it helps if you have something more to play for and you have a coach like Sean Payton, who, if you listen to these players, especially all weeks, ever since the storm, they, they seem like a team. They seem like they have a purpose. I, I think that helps you. And they got a quarterback who's got LASIK surgery. That helps you, too. That the old Jameis Winston, you can make fun of, uh, you know, the best shape of his life thing all you want, wasn't running six, for, six uh, times for 37 yards in 2019. So that has nothing to do with the LASIK. That has to do with the body. And this team has a little bit of a higher purpose. and may, Maybe that, along with, like, an amazing, amazing offensive line can, can carry you pretty far.
0: The Saints did not punt
3: in the first half. Chris Hogan had
0: a touchdown.
3: It's all working. Yeah,
0: he's a lacrosse player,
3: right? I just want to read you. Like uh, after all the Callaway excitement, he went one for fourteen. I mean, their leading receivers were Deontay Harris, Juwan Johnson, a converted you know tight end,
0: kind of a Deontay weird Harris, game.
3: Adam Troutman, H- Callaway, and Hogan. I mean, they didn't need to throw the ball much
0: uh, the way they played. It was such a weird game, boys, that I don't really know what to make sense of it for anyone involved. But all I can know. Is that it was a really nice day for the Saints and their fans, and a really crappy one for the Packers. <laughs> and there, the, <laughs> the only downside is it was such a
3: blowout. Sometimes you can kind of skip the fourth quarter of a game pass even when that happens. But I want to see Jordan Love. Got to see quarter. Jordan. I want to see Jordan Love and see how he looked. Sounded like and all those.
0: Well. Although I know in the condensed version you won't get to see it as much, but a lot of salty shots of the. Of the big Lebowski part two on the sideline too
1: well you know some the way they edit some of those game pass you know in 40 minutes in quotes um games you might see a ton of it
3: <laughs> oh man like i'm just i'm here for the aaron Rodgers like press conferences and whatnot like if this yeah if this is a, a rocky up and down season but I I think also, it's, it's a little too early they also didn't they're another one of those teams that didn't play any snaps i'm gonna be selective because teams that played well when they didn't do that sure. in the preseason it's like there were plenty of two chargers played fine uh, but they did not play a snap in the preseason. They did not look ready here. There were also say-
1: reports. One little thing that the Broncos yeah. are interested in trading for Aaron Rodgers after this season and have talked to Green Bay about it. So maybe not after today, but I, don't, I would assume they I'm don't. Sure, it's sure. not such a knee-jerk reaction scenario inside the Broncos. I like the idea. Office.
0: I saw it on Twitter somewhere that what if this is the ultimate end game for Aaron Rodgers? He's going to just totally destroy the Packers with a terrible season. <laughs> Checkmate, Bam. Let's move on.
2: Goff back. Goff time. Goff throws up Wide
4: left into the ground. Incomplete. No flags down. The
2: 49ers. woo Oh, my goodness.
4: We'll get out of this with a victory.
0: Greg Papa with the call and Tim Ryan with the oh, my goodness. KNBR. 49ers' defense stepped up when it mattered most, forcing an incompletion by Jared Goff on fourth down to secure a 41-33 win over the Lions at Ford Field. San Francisco led 38-10 early in the fourth quarter, but allowed Detroit to score 23 unanswered in three-plus minutes? What? Mark, as a diehard Kyle Shanahan, as a man who believes the Niners are going to win it all this year, how nervous were you at the end of this one?
1: A, w- a weird game. I just a very strange game in the in the second half. Answer the question. Yes, I, I was not nervous on any level. Like the, <laughs> that's not something that's going to really. It was more just like you know I'm watching two games at once. I'm taking endless notes. But suddenly you know like you're like you with the <laughs> Packers right. Saints game. I kind of checked out of the Niners game a little bit, right? Sure. But then suddenly, like they have a two point. Or they, they get a touchdown and Jamal Williams touchdown. Get the two point conversion. Um, unfurl an onsides kick. That deflects off of George Kittle. It's still out of reach at that point. You think, well, it's a little bit of a mistake. Uh, this is not an issue to deal with. But then suddenly, Quentin Cephas has a touchdown. He has a two-point conversion. They go for the onsides again, and they don't get it. It's forty-one thirty-three with a minute six left. Then Debo Samuel loses the ball, and Jared Goff start making wow. starts making a couple of incredible throws. And you're thinking this can happen. And you know, one of the questions I had about the Lions was with how short staffed they look as an offensive team in general. They can look like they can run the ball, and if their line holds up, you know, Panay Sewell played pretty well today, that would be a note, but they seem like a team that was sort of built to be, you know, within a score or leading the way that they are in their wide receiver group, but they kind of came up big today down the stretch. It, I still chalk it up as a strange game because, you know, outside of the Niners, you know, allowing that them back in, they dominated early on, and we saw a little bit of Jalen Hurts. He came in and threw a five-yard touchdown pass, um, they didn't use him a ton. He had made a run as well. But I, Jimmy G, I, this is the formula. It's sort of like when Jimmy G is playing as well as he did today. He didn't make any killer mistakes. He's probably going to see more of the play time until they get a couple weeks into this season. It, it sounds like what they did in that one preseason game against the Raiders, where they both kind of had equal time, may not be on the shelf yet. But you know what? Who knows?
0: I believe that Trey Lance got in the game, not Jalen Hurts, right?
1: Yes, that would be more of a story if it suddenly Jalen Hurts were in dressed in red and gold. It was yeah, Trey did they, Lance, yes. Yeah, how
0: did it all, like, unfurl? I, the box score tells me that Trey Lance threw one pass and it was a touchdown, but uh, this was Jimmy G's offense uh, for most of the way, it looks like.
1: Yeah, they used him really early, um, and, he, and they didn't really use him much ever again. So he came in, uh, they pulled Jimmy G from, you know, a, a five yards out, and then there were a lot of comments about, what a gentleman Jimmy G is and how uh, such a good sport. We are going to hear that a lot. Well, he's hugging each other. He's a class act. One killer thing for the Niners, like late (laughs) in this game when some people were maybe tuning out, Jason Verrett got hurt and it sounds serious. And Mm. um, that's a killer Mm -hmm. loss for them
3: in the secondary. Right. They just, um, you know, had given him, you know, a contract to to come back. He was a great story for them. I, I think that's their thinnest position to begin with. And so that that's a big downer. They lose Raheem Moster in this game. They surprised a lot of fantasy football owners by uh scratching Trace Ehrman, their third round pick that a lot of people drafted pretty high, thought was gonna uh, step up and in comes Elijah Mitchell and he runs for 104 yards. This is just like the 49ers. You can put in anyone at running back and he's going to run for 104 yards. So he will undoubtedly be everyone's first like fantasy waiver wire, unless there's another obvious uh, one that I'm not thinking about.
0: De- Debo Samuel had a huge game. We, we've always liked Debo around these parts. And uh, he went off uh, 12 tar- targeted 12 times more than double anybody else, including George Kittle. Um, I don't even see Brandon Ayuk in the in the box score, Mark. Well, no, what, it was it's, going on it,
1: here. It really went. It was all Samuel and Kittle. Samuel at 189 yards and at like a 70 something yard touchdown uh, looked great. Outside that fumble, that you know, had he not fumbled there, that game would have been over. It created a little bit more drama, but Samuel's the real deal. Kittle, Kittle looked looked really good too, as he normally does. But there wasn't really much
3: else out there. Sherfield, I thought had a, he's the one that had the, the Trey Lance touchdown and looked. Uh, pretty good in a smaller role. They they barely used Ayuk. They kind of decided to ease him back in from like a hamstring injury. I really think they managed this game and who knows about moster like how serious it was because they were playing the Lions. You know that, that was part of it. Ayuk they I just think you're right. they they decided not to
0: risk Ayuk and figure you can win without him this week. And welcome back Nick Bosa, coming back from the ACL last year, early last year. He came back four tackles, a sack, 3 tackles for loss, 2 QB hits. Keep keep Sewell at left tackle. You
3: know, by all accounts, played very well against Bosa for the most part. You know, held. He zone. looked good. He it's looked like the, maybe they got, just got injured into making the right decision. Like, don't don't put. So your Decker comes back,
0: and you you just kick him to the right. Who
3: knows? Yeah, I mean, he's plus wouldn't wouldn't like a veteran like him be more well suited to be able to change positions? Well, which which anyway? player
1: is is more tied to your future? Let, let's put Sewell where he feels at home, and he looked much better than he did
0: in the preseason. I do like the idea of. Every once in a while this happens where there's a quarterback and a crappy team, and he just has a marvelous fantasy season. Jared Goff off to a great start uh three touchdowns three hundred and thirty eight yards i can't you see him winning some fantasy leagues as his own team goes four and twelve four and thirteen
1: i I could, but I would say this that it, like if the game had changed and been a little bit different you'd also look at the killer interception that he made. He's going to give one of he's going to give one of those oh, to you
0: every week. But that's what I mean. It's not really about like Jared Goff no, no, is no. actually it's like good. fantasy-wise, sure. Yes, he's putting up some numbers especially as they try to kind of throw themselves back into games in the second half. Let us move on. Snap to Murray, quick throw over the middle. Hopkins has a catch at the 10, turns to his left at the 5 and hits Pater. Touchdown DeAndre Hopkins. Mm, Dave Pass with the call, K-T-A-R. Kyler Murray, five touchdowns total. Oh, I forgot. I'm so mad at myself because I had written about it on the dumb website that he was my MVP sleeper. Why didn't I just write that in the predictions? I don't I'm know. Upset. I'm upset. Linebacker Chandler Jones had a career-high five sacks. What? As the Cardinals chose the Titans as their subject. For a nuclear bomb test in the desert final score 38 <laughs> 13 greg this was played in arizona correct
3: no it was in tennessee <laughs> it was a bomb test well, in the sw- they, they dropped the nuclear bomb
0: on enemy territory
1: not their own city that makes even more sense, all right so.
0: Don't, well you can't scrub it out of the show ricky because it would have been so perfect if it was in arizona but anyway greg jones also forced two fumbles that turned into 14 arizona points it sounds like one of the most impactful defensive performances you'll ever see. Did it feel like that as you watched it, it? It was insane.
3: I mean, I've never seen a guy like Taylor Luan, who's, you know, made some Pro Bowls and whatnot, tweet after the game, thanking Chandler Jones for humbling him and and helping him to improve while also apologizing because you got Ryan Tannehill destroyed. Uh, Whoa. Chandler Jones also had a sack, you know, on the other tackle, at least one of them. Uh, but it, it was insane. In the first five plays, he had a tackle for loss. J.J. Watt had a tackle for loss. And then Chandler Jones got the first of his two forced fumbles. It, it was a bum rush. And I'm glad it didn't turn into one of those games where Tennessee made it look more interesting. Because it wasn't just about um, the, the offense. It was the defense was just flying around and hitting people. Like, football comes down to matchups sometimes and Nuke Hopkins was destroying Jack Rabbit Jenkins. Chandler Jones, we already mentioned how he was destroying it. TJ Watt was fine, too. He made a couple plays. And then Kyler Murray, my God, the two touchdowns he had, um, one to Nuke, where he runs all around, another third and long where, he run, where you'll see on every highlight package, where that's just all Kyler Murray, and then a beautiful touchdown to Christian Kirk where – They call the right defense. They get free rushers in on him, but he sees it all before the snap and puts it beautiful touch opposite shoulder to Kirk who makes a long touchdown. It was just like, it was amazing. It was just amazing individual performances by their superstars. And I think that's what you could get out of this Arizona Cardinals team.
1: I I think if you're a Cardinals fan, you are right up there in the top two or three of what we were talking about coming out of week one um, with your spirits lifted because they have been taking... Uh, verbal jab after verbal jab all off season I think people have been down on the cardinals i 've been down on them. I saw them as like an eight eight and one type of team, and a lot of it maybe had to do with the with their finish last year and, and murray wasn 't healthy, but you know there were questions about how Cliff Kingsbury ran the offense and a lot of their off season signings to me felt like too little too late like you 're signing guys who would have been a hot actual prospect to have on your team three years ago but Look it, it's working, at least it worked today. I mean, to the point where Mike Vrabel is coming out of this game saying, we'll find out now what our culture actually is. I mean, he's been there years. Did, they, they, it's, it, did this rock the foundation of Tennessee that much? Greg, You know, mere days ago you were saying that you know, the football world is too down on Tennessee. They looked like a dog I today. locked
3: them up. I locked them up. One of the, you know, the two of, the three of us Woof. made some of the worst locks in the history <laughs> of uh, this program. Well, I, I didn't clowns. go with Teddy, two clubs. I was all into, you know, what a, what a terrible switch to go away from my beloved Broncos, and I deserve it. Uh, it, it was just, it was crazy. And I, and I would feel good if you're Arizona because of the, the players who did show up, Zavin Collins. Isaiah Simmons, Rondale Moore has got some juice, I'm telling you. He he went four for 68. Some of that was on this phony play at the end of the first half, but there was one other screen pass where they threw it short on third and 10, and Moore had afterburners, and you're kind of looking for some other playmakers that we didn't know about in Arizona, and they've got one, I think, in Rondale Moore.
0: Uh, by the way, on the subject of titanically lost uh, lock weeks, the Wessling brothers uh, are in the mix this year. And they locked up the Steelers. Oof. To that was lose like. Oh, do you mean the Bills? The Bills. Right, the bills.
1: Oh, They locked ouch. up the Bills.
3: Okay.
1: Oof. We might as well have the floor fall entirely. That would have you know,
3: been. Yeah. That was Yikes. like the most logical one. Also, Julio Jones had kind of a nightmare game here. So I'm not going to push the panic button. What does that mean? Nightmare? What do you mean by that? Drop that led to an interception. Not a lot of separation. Not on the same page with Tannehill in the end zone where Tannehill threw a nice pass. that probably should have been uh, a touchdown, you know, six targets for 29 yards. B- basically as bad a game, you know, as as you would want like a superstar receiver to have. But it was one game,
0: one game. Just one game. And Mike Frabel said after the game, it's unfortunate. It is disappointing. There is no other way to put it. It sucks when you lose, especially <laughs> like that. When they're doing a nuclear bomb test. Right. Uh <laughs> in your own area of nashville like not even in the desert where it's safe and you don't have any homes or apartment buildings or parks or schools you're doing it straight Mm. up in the nashville area i mean to your point though the
3: crowds were going the crowd was like stunned they were booing they were so ready to enjoy this game and they were just like what is happening to us our faces are melting off
1: I mean, to your point, Dan. (laughs) If you dropped a nuclear bomb on Nashville, it would resemble a desert in many ways. So we have two deserts now. Who had a
0: worse? Who had a worse week one? The Packers or the Titans?
1: Oh, the Packers! Come on, because it's so on Aaron (laughs) Rodgers. It's so on Aaron Rodgers.
3: Yeah, the Titans feel like they mix in these games every now and then. Like we're just like, what the heck just happened? And a lot of these plays, like no one could have stopped these Kyler Murray plays. Like they were just too good. Just one quick note. One last one was that he's the second quarterback ever to like throw for 50 and rush for 16 in like X amount of games. Uh Dante Culpepper's the next one. And uh I don't know. He does remind me of Dante Culpepper in some weird way, even though he's like 150 pounds less as just like a joy to watch that there's sometimes there's nothing you can do to stop Kyler Murray. And that was the case today.
0: Um, By the way, money bad money badger, Michael Badgley, um, got on the team when Sam Fikin was moved to injured reserve, and he missed more kicks. I mean, the, the Titans, this is a game from hell. Missed
3: an extra point in a
0: field goal. Missed That's an right. extra point, and I'll just say that um, Chandler Jones, we cannot give him enough love for this performance. Oh my gosh. His five sacks are the third most by a player in a season opener. Derek Thomas had six to open the 98 season. Derek Thomas was un. Believable. I remember what, that day. Watch the out, Michael Derek Strahan. Uh, watch out here. You know, Chandler Jones dignity. got pretty
3: close. Chandler Jones got pretty close. Chandler Jones should be going into Steve Kime's office tonight and saying, give me my money. Give it to me now. You wanted to wait and... You wanted to wait and see. I did show up. I'm playing on time. How about you go make like Mickey Loomis over in New Orleans and give me the contract right now. They gave Marshawn Lattimore a contract after the game. I don't know how that works out. Marshawn Lattimore got more guaranteed money than any defensive back in history, according to Ian Rapport, after one you know, solid week one. Go what give Chandler Jones his money. Well, and,
1: they, and they showed Chandler Jones you know, on the sideline after he had had five sacks, and he was just confidently strutting up and down with a smile <laughs> on his face. He knows good things are about to happen.
0: And I don't want to leave out Billy Gay, who had five and a half sacks for the Detroit Lions to open the 93 season. Let's move on. Darnold fakes to McCaffrey, moves up in the pocket, throws long in middle. Anderson's there, caught 10, five, touchdown! Robbie Anderson! Now oh, Mick Mixon, WBT with the call. Robbie, you know, after he catches that, he puts up the Jets side. Uh, so he's like going through the end zone, which was his celebration when he was with the Jets. And Keith Hansis texts me and he's all fired up. He's like, ah, oh, that <laughs> Fink doing that celebration. And I said, Dad, wrote back, Dad, Jets quit on Robbie Anderson. They did not want to bring him back. He's sticking it to a team that didn't want him. Fair play. I like sticking the word fair play. Fink
1: coming back into the <laughs> operation.
0: Sam Darnold threw for 279 and a touchdown and ran. Ran for another score against his former team as the Panthers beat the Jets 19-14. And, um, <clears throat> yeah, this started very badly for the Jets, and some really bad stuff come at, came out of it. Uh, but it was a nice nice day for Sam Darnold. Um, even though they, they got shut down in the second half, they were held to three points, uh, but Sam Darnold played a, a big role in the win. He looked much more comfortable. Um, it turns out having Christian McCaffrey on your team makes you a lot better as both an offense and as a quarterback. And uh, he avoided the type of mistakes he did have a a fumble a lost fumble in the red zone but I when I think about the Sam Darnold mistakes that haunted his time in New York and they mounted as his confidence waned, as the as the roster got worse and the coaching bottomed out uh, late in his third season with the Jets I think about all those interceptions and as a Jets fan now and it was even weirder than I anticipated when the game started because in a lot of ways it feels like and this also goes back to just how fast time goes now as you start to get older and you have kids and things like that. Like Sam Darnold was, I blink, and he was the Jets' future, and now he's on the other sideline. We have Zach Wilson here. How many times he would kill the Jets with interceptions, and I'm rooting for that to happen now, and he just didn't do it. So good for Sam Darnold. I truly am happy for him that he had this moment. And um, on the Jets' side of the ball, total wipeout performance in the first half. There was some good to take out of the second half, how the defense fought hard. Robert Sala obviously has these guys' passionate and caring about their job, which was not happening in New York under Adam Gase last year. And then um, Zach Wilson, after a very quiet first half uh, where he was running for his life and looking like he was a little scatterbrained, really turned it on and did some nice things in the second half. So there were some positives there, uh, but the Panthers get the win and um, a nice way to start the season for, uh, for Sam Darnold.
1: I mean, Mackay Becton, the injury there is a killer. Uh, There's so many of these around the league today that suddenly you look at certain position groups and you're like, "Uh uh-oh. But I I love Zach Wilson's comments after the game, um, what Robert Sala had to say about Zach Wilson. He's in a tough spot, and not every one of these rookie quarterbacks today was a huge example of that, are going to be shining stars from the beginning. There's a lot to learn. And I love his mental makeup, though. I know that's sort of a cliche thing to say about some of these quarterbacks, but everything I hear from Zach Wilson... Um, seems like a total team guy who is, you know, not going to shy away from some tough Sundays. I thought he was pretty beaten up today. Was it like 10 quarterback hits? I don't know if that's a Carolina defense thing or if that's a Jets problem on offensive line. It's both. Um, but, you know, that's part of the job is not turning into what happened to Carson Wentz last year from the neck up when you're getting beaten up on these Sundays.
0: Nineteen eight. 8 to what you're saying, nineteen eight. Midway through the fourth quarter, the Jets are scrambling to try to get it back within a score. And they're they're knocking on the red zone of Carolina and and Wilson gets absolutely creamed. And it looks like uh, in the moment, it looks like a concussion on the telecast. They thought it might have been because he got slammed so hard. Uh, This is just with two minutes to play. And he pops up, shakes it off, completes a pass, two minute warning, completes a touchdown pass. And I'm like, damn, okay, that's that's something that that really showed me something. Um and Christian McCaffrey, I just want to say this: like he is, it's almost like Matt Rule has to um really. It's it's a test for Brady and Rule, uh, the OC to not use him too much because he's just so good that I feel like they could have put the Jets away in the second half if they just just started feeding McCaffrey every time. thirty he's touches. So- Twenty-one so carries, elusive. nine
3: nine uh, catches. That's what I
0: mean. It's like, but it's like if they would have given him an extra five, I think he would have broken one of those and gone because he's that good. He looks, he looks like a guy that's poised to challenge all those records when it comes to multi-purpose mm. uh, in terms of total yards.
3: Well, our guy Rapsheet reported Becton has a sprained MCL, so it could be worse, but could be better. You know, with with the Patriots, well, that's coming. actually. Great yeah. news. Yeah, that, that's good. Can, over, I, I mean, overall.
0: you were thinking the knee was completely gone Could, during the game. He had – he blows out uh, – or it looked like he blew it out uh, on that first touchdown pass by Wilson. And when he's leaving in the cart, when you, whenever the player has had the look of anguish with the towel over the face, I usually take that to mean in addition to him being pain and upset that he's been told they did a test and he has a tour. And that's what everyone kind of assumes. So if you're telling me he's going to be back at some point this season – and he doesn't have a year of rehab ahead of him, that's a huge win.
3: Yeah, that's the early evaluation. Sometimes they do change a day later, but you're right. That's that's good news. But the the kind of buzz that maybe the line that they're really putting their that Joe Douglas is putting his kind of name behind is this line that they had a rough first month, just looking, you know, the box score. That's the crooked I like looking at the ESPN box score, I have to admit, just for like the crooked numbers. The ten QB Hicks hits six sacks. And six tackles for loss. Like I just like that's just a quick snapshot. Are you making splash plays behind the line of scrimmage? And those are big numbers, 10, yes. 6, and six.
0: Good job. And it's not just on the Jets offensive line, it's uh Brian Burns, um, uh Shaq Thompson everywhere. They they really um Caroline is interesting. Your team, buddy.
1: Your team. That's Mark. my wild Your card pick, team. and I, I I don't think it would be that surprising if it happens because I just but think
0: they're well coached. I'd like to see them against a team other than the Jets, but um, they have some. They have speed. They have some guys that can get after the quarterback. They have some playmakers uh, in the secondary, of course, with Chin in the second year. And this offense will score points, um, especially if Darnold plays like this. All right, let's move forward. Pressure. Taylor throws underneath. Hits Amendola. Takes it across. Rock and roll. Touchdown, Houston. <laughs> kind of a dad move rock and roll i love rock and roll and that's the touchdown call it's is not really it like, even a term is it like a term ra-
3: like a ray re- is a reference to something more that we don't know i don't know or is that
0: always the touchdown call uh ricky dig in on this mark vandermeer find out <laughs> if he has any connection Does he does he have a does he hold a vote for the rock Taylor, and roll Hall of Amandola, fame. i don't know that's some type Amandola. of name play there klit Ty God Taylor threw for 291 and two touchdowns, filling in for Deshaun Watson. Leads the Texans to a 37-21 win over Trevor Lawrence. And a very sloppy Jaguars team in Urban Meyer's NFL debut. This is a fever dream for Rosenthal. Now, Greg, I have to, I have to doff my cap because you thought, A, the Texans had a legit chance to win this game, uh, which Pick I them. pushed back on, and B, that the Jaguars might be a, a bloody mess under Urban Meyer uh, and so far after one game, <laughs> you nailed it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I didn't nail it. I, if
3: I What a glorious moment it would have been to lock up the Texans. Uh, and, you know, instead you go for the lousy Titans. Ty God and the coaching staff showed out, though. Tyler, T- Tyler Taylor once was like the second best running quarterback in the league, like just in terms of pure running ability. Saw a little bit of that today. It was only one like 29-yard run, but you saw a little juice. And you saw a running game that you know just kept the ball the whole time. But the key moment was that Amendola touchdown. I was watching this game late in the second half. They score a touchdown with under a minute, or score get a field goal with under a minute to go, and Urban Meyer does the thing where they throw three passes. They're trying to be aggressive. Don't take any time off the clock. Punt it away, and I was like. David Kelly's going to tell me something here. Is he going to try to be aggressive with, like, 37 seconds and 70 yards to go with Tyrod Taylor? Because, like, the move that you expect the Texans to do is, like, no. They're not. But you know what he does? They go balls to the wall to get, like, another touchdown. And Tyrod and the rest of those boys delivered, like, like Pharaoh Brown's making plays. Amendola's making plays. Nico Collins, who's a Okay, he made, like, one play. He didn't make any plays. But I was just (laughs) like, wow, that was... That was like it. an impressive moment. That drive to me was impressive because it was Cully saying, "Like we need to put up a lot of points." I know Tyrod Taylor's our quarterback, but like, let's be ultra aggressive with 38 seconds to go, and then they rewarded him with a touchdown drive.
0: It's the old uh, Lester Burnham quote: "I'm just an ordinary guy with nothing to lose." That's David <laughs> Cully. Why not? Why not just go for it? Everything's set up against you. Nobody really expects you, or maybe even wants you to succeed. So do the old major league thing. With uh, you beat go full Behringer, always go full Behringer.
1: I mean, they've they've you know he talked about after the game that one of their biggest chores and to dos was shutting out the intense negativity. There aren't that many teams that have been dumped on, and for a lot of their own reasons. I mean, they created they've created a lot of their own mess, obviously. But you know, you're you're deactivating Deshaun Watson. You're starting Tyrod Taylor most of the nation thinks you're going to go one in 16. You drop a hammer on a Jaguars team that there were whispers today, even little stories already that there are players in Jacksonville, not adoring the urban Meyer experience already. We're one game into the season. So I know that delights Greg as well, but you know, it's just it is. I think for the Jaguars. that was my question. That was my no, question was. on our it TV was. show. Will the
3: honeymoon end at 4 p.m.? I feel I like just,
1: I didn't think getting... there was a honeymoon to begin with, but I see. But but and to also, your point, like something ended today.
0: Those whoever those guys that are giving these quotes to the press, you better you better trust your journo because if yeah. it gets back to uh, Urban Meyer, he ain't one and done. You will be one and done. Especially, uh, you know, as a young team, everyone's replaceable except for the big guy, uh, number one overall. What did you see uh, in that game uh, from Trevor Lawrence, Greg?
3: His inter- you know, his interceptions were were bad. Like it was him on the run, plays you would think he could make, just didn't make it. Uh, I think he made a lot of positive throws too, kind of like the kind of like the preseason. So I don't think it was on him. They were they were bum rushed for the most part, but there was a couple surprising decisions. The Texans' three interceptions tied their total from all of last year. Wow, Lovey Smith! How about Lovey Smith? We haven't given Lovey. Lovey Smith any. I gotta say, Lovey Smith was a was not just a good defensive coach in the NFL. People think like his the way he coached passed them by uh, in terms of the scheme. It's a very safe, boring scheme. He was a great defensive coach. I'm just I'm just saying, and, and in this game, they didn't blitz. As far as I know, because I heard this stat midway through the third, they didn't blitz one time. They dropped seven or eight every single play, made Lawrence have to, like, make decisions and play,
0: played very good team sort of defense, and, and it worked. Um, somebody uh, tweeted at me, because, you know, the, the power rankings, a lot of eyeballs get on them, and then people uh, take it personally, and they save it, and they get ready to attack me on Sunday as soon as something happens that I didn't predict in terms of with my rankings. And someone wrote, tweeted me, you sticking by your ranking, the Texans last in the power rankings? That is probably going to burn you, owned. And then another guy, <laughs> another guy got preemptively mad at me, a Titans fan, who's obviously very upset and probably about six or seven beers in, at, at least he said, if you put the Titans anywhere inside the top 20, you should be ashamed of yourself. <laughs> like preemptively shaming me for Wait. something I didn't do. In wait, they want them inside or outside. So if I if I don't drop them, I think I have them.
3: So he wants you to or them. Or punish 12. them. Oh, he wants you to punish yes. his own team. Right? And if yes. I don't, well, I think the Jaguars them. might be thirty-two. I I haven't really thought about it, but yeah.
0: if you lose to the Texans by this much, maybe you replace them. But like, I just thought it was funny. Like, you should be ashamed of yourself for something that I hadn't even done. <laughs> I mean, that's how this works, though.
1: You're going to get <laughs> tweets like that. You said six or seven beers in was what you assumed based on how he wrote uh, the tweet. Area, you know. Yeah. You know.
0: That was uh, K-I-L-T, by the way. Kind of transposed a letter or two there. <laughs> up top. I was going to ask, but I
1: wasn't, I wasn't ask, <laughs> actually going to ask on this show, but I was going to ask after, but you've solved the mystery. It's been
0: solved. Let's keep moving. I mean, that would be an interesting radio station, the other one. Yes, it would. Take, take it on that other one. And he is hit. Ball pops out. out. Who's got it? Golfers, yeah, the ball's got, got it. it. Got it. Boy, oh, been, but don't break! Wow. Jimmy Cephalo and Jason Taylor, the sack master, WQAM with the call. Tua Bailoa threw a go-ahead touchdown pass to Jalen Waddle, rookie, in the third quarter, and Xavier Howard recovered a Damian Harris fumble with New England driving to help the Dolphins hold on for a 17-16 win over the Patriots in Foxborough. Greg, we entered the season viewing these teams, or at least I did, and I think you did too as very close in their division and it didn't get any closer than 17-16 week 1. No, it
3: was um uh, an example of how the Dolphins have kind of become the new old Patriots. Where you're like how did they win that game? Where you where you leave the game being like what what just happened? Mm. Um like because I think they do a lot of smart things schematically, but the Patriots ultimately, you know, them by 140 yards something like that. Mac Jones looks like the better quarterback, and at the end of the day, they forced two really key fumbles by the Patriots' running backs, including one you know that you heard inside the ten late in the game, where you really felt like the Patriots were going to go in for a touchdown. If nothing else, they were going to take the lead there. But the Dolphins, like Xavier and Howard, like they find a way to make plays, and I just think they they are a smart, like well coached team that again is like greater than the sum of their parts. The outpatriated the Patriot, your, your boy Flores, I don't know whose boy it is, uh, is three and two <laughs> over his, I think we all respect Brian Flores. Yeah, he he like has yeah.
0: shown over the past few years that he knows what he's doing. And that had to feel really good to be a Belichick disciple going up in that building to start a season and seeing the Patriots.
1: I mean, that is, that was their earmark last twice. year. I thought they found ways to win games by dismantling quarterbacks and getting you know fringe no-namers to do special things down the stretch. I mean, this game, you're right, was so bizarre to watch, but I did think that Mac Jones got more comfortable and made great throws as it went along. I mean, if you're just wanting to say, look at where are we as a Patriots offense with this new quarterback, I saw Erica tweeting about him. She seems um, enamored to some degree. I I don't know. I mean, because part of it was this was the two-averse verse Mac Jones, and I don't know. Mac Jones looked oh, as good
3: yeah. as two to me. It looks better. Oh no! You flip the quarterbacks and and give Mac Jones to the Dolphins. The Dolphins win by twenty. I was I was kind of flying after this game. I was surprised to hear how sad. I mean, I wasn't surprised, but I, a lot of you know, the, my dad and a you know, couple of Patriots friends in my life, you know, are really down that they Ricky can't pull this out. And yeah, Ricky jumping too, and I'm like, you gotta look at the big picture. Mac Jones looked awesome in this game. I I think beyond the stat lines, the next level things that he's already doing as a rookie, the touch on his throws, the way they're going like five wide and empty and crucial moments, the offensive line for the Patriots, which is supposed to be great, played terrible. He was under more pressure than, than Tua. He handled it much better for the most part. And it's like, I, I feel like the Patriots have a quarterback and that's, that's the bigger story. What do you I think?
2: totally agree, Greg. Like, I think At the beginning, you know, in the top of the show, you guys were talking about that feeling of like getting excited. And when they were marching down the field to before that fumble happened, like my heart's racing and I'm like, oh, my God, like we're going to do this. Like, I can't believe this is happening. (laughs) And that feeling when it when, you know, it didn't go that way. But yeah, of course, it was like, wow, this actually there were so many times where I was like, if Cam Newton was the quarterback right now, I don't think we would have been even close in this conversation.
0: I, I hope... Because I, I really like Damian Harris as a player, and I hope this doesn't Me lead too. to him having to sleep outside for three months yeah. or... No, you know, and he looked be, incredible going, like, other sleep, than that fumble. He looked so good, yeah. Um, he also
2: got banged pretty hard by a helmet, um, and his helmet came off during one play. Greg, I don't know if you remember that, and i not saying that that had anything to do with it, but like he carried so many times and like just like the brute force of what he did for this team like helmets coming off 100 yards on the ground i just he's awesome i think how how annoyed
1: was belichick at the end of the game i i I thought i saw a few looks from him where he seemed a little peaked but or or does he share your optimism too greg
3: (laughs) no he looked pretty flummoxed that like what are we doing here we just fumbled the ball inside the 10 you know they lost they lost the turnover battle like they couldn't get they they had a chance to get a stop in the end and you know they couldn't um but i i just think as a patriots fan you just look at the players that are on this team and they just look they look a lot better like damian harris looked great today there's a couple you know the passing game Jacoby wasn't kobe
2: myers the passing made game some wasn't perfect catches.
3: but it's like when you're throwing the ball to johnny smith and hunter henry and Aguilar at the end it's like a couple of them made plays on their own, and it's like they just didn't have guys like that last year. So I think even though they lost, I felt a lot of positivity. Well, I think that's
0: what's kind of tricky here with the Pats, um, that you spend $160 million in guaranteed money in free agency, which tells you we're looking to win now, but then you cut Cam and you say the rookie's starting, and then that puts you in a different place as a team, which is – well, it's not really all, always about wins. It's about progress for the kid as well. It's almost like they're trying to live in two worlds. And I'm not saying that can't work, but at least from a fan standpoint, maybe there's going to be some uh, – it's going to be tough to focus for some
2: but people I don't on know that. if Cam would be – right. that is just for Mac progress. Mac Jones like, is, I don't, the kid yeah, is the win I think, now quarterback.
3: Well,
1: they told you everything that, they, that you need to know about what they think about Cam Newton. Well, and there's another world where Mac Jones by week eight – is playing in a universe that we didn't expect, and all these pieces fit together. He did together today. Fine. He did today. I know right. the
3: numbers weren't crazy, but I think like what he's doing as a rookie. I'm, you know, I'm trying not to get too carried away because I, I know I am a Patriots fan. But I swear I would be saying this if he was on another team. That the things he's doing now, maybe like he doesn't have the the room to improve as much as some of these other quarterbacks. But the level he's at now is rare for a rookie. What it, about it really Tula, is... By the
0: way, how
3: did he look? Tula
2: looked looks better than last year I know that there was a lot of and I'll shut up because no one wants to hear me talk about the Dolphins (laughs) but I think there was a lot of stuff you know going in this off season it's like is Tua really the guy that you know the Dolphins you know tank for Tua I do think that you know there were some you know he had a rushing TD and and he I think he played better and Greg correct me if I'm wrong I think that there was an improvement from last season yeah
3: better but a couple groaners you don't need to take, you know, you, you asked the question and then left Erica, like you were like, I'll hang up and listen, Uh couple groaners. I mean, a killer of interception course, at the yeah. end where he's trying to throw the ball. He said he's trying to throw the ball out of bounds, but he didn't reach it, which is you know, kind right. of the thing with Tua. Like we heard Mac Jones, arm wasn't great. Like Mac Jones, arm looks fine to Tua's arm. I think it's a question of some of those deep balls hanging up Um had another groaner where he was lucky to get away with uh, another interception but had positive plays Miles Gaskin looked awesome and they looked pretty tough to defend with some of the the read option and everything and
0: they got Will Fuller coming off suspension yep. next week he is an underrated uh, guy and a great deep threat uh, to who can get it to him uh, let's move on back goes Hurts he is looking he is firing for Devontae Smith for a touchdown the first touchdown of Devontae Smith. NFL career! Merrill Reese, the legend, WIP with the call. Jalen Hurts threw three touchdown passes, the first of them to, yes, the Heisman Trophy winner, Devontae Smith, and the Eagles made a winner of Nick Sirianni, his head coach debut, 32-6, route Woo! of the folly filled Falcons. Put the bang thing on him. At Mercedes-Benz Stadium, but Miark. Nick Sirianni sounded kind of nervous in his introductory press conference. How could this have happened?
1: Exactly. I don't appreciate the way you just addressed m- my name either, but um, I'm going to forge on. Uh, I would point to this one little chunk of the game where it turned from a positive Eagles experience to an incredibly hopeful one. And it was the end of the first half. Jalen Hurts and the two-minute offense Totally comfortable. Number one, the, he basically just went out there and said, I'm going to run against the Falcons when I need to. They had nobody that could stop him. He moved the, the team so confidently down the field. And Sirianni is an aggressive coach, too, who I'll get into that in a second, but hurts on this drive to help them go up 15-6 to six because what happened was they were up 7-6. to six. They, He threw a great pass to Dale, Dallas Goddard, who really battled Deion Jones to make a great catch in the end zone. Then there was a penalty on the Falcons. So it's at that point 13 to 6, and Sirianni dials up a two point conversion that Miles Sanders got, and suddenly it's 15 to 6 at halftime. And the Falcons, who came out of the gate explosive on offense, I mean, moving the ball really well to the point where I thought the first quarter of this game was one of the better first quarters I'd seen in week one in a long time. They mm-hmm. could not get out of their problems in the red zone. They had drives that finished at the three and the nine, I believe, of Philadelphia, and they never got back there again. Arthur Smith was visibly annoyed on the sideline. I think that everything that they planned to do, he, it, the announcers made comments that he wanted to say, look, we don't want to be predictable, and they got stuck into a predictable place because they got down. I think this Jalen Hurts offense works very well under Sirianni. There's a lot of encouragement here if you're an Eagles fan, and after, another, after a bad
0: off season, he looked great. Let's hear from Arthur Smith, who was very unhappy with uh, his team's performance in his first game as head coach. I did a really poor job getting us ready to go. I feel uh, awful for our fans. Everybody showed up today. We'll do a better job. That game's not going to define us. It's a long season to go, but uh, I certainly didn't do a good job getting us ready to go today. Uh, Kyle e. Pitts, not much there <laughs> in his debut after an off season of breathless hype uh, from the tight end, but that, it's early. Um, and in general, Greg, this is not the offense I think you saw either. Cause I know you were pretty high on Matt Ryan entering the year.
3: Yeah. I, uh, never like to hear when the coach says we've got a long season to go after week one, like <laughs>
0: it's a little bit of a cell
3: phone. It's like, this isn't going to define it. It's like, bro, no one said it was going to define you. It's like week one. Um, <laughs> he's feeling it. And Uh-oh. it's a that, tough the, gig. You know, the caveat. Yeah. The caveats <laughs> apply that it's going against the Falcons defense, which probably the most talent, poor defense in the league. But I do think there's a, a Lamar Jackson element to Jalen Hurts where he raises the rest of the running game to an incredibly efficient degree. You know, you think of the Eagles as all about analytics, so like, so are the Ravens. Like, team, you know, teams are into running when it's incredibly efficient. So if, if, you, if you run it 31 times for 173 yards, that's great. You know, like and I think Jalen Hurts's running ability with this offensive line at least has a chance to like raise the running floor really high for this Eagles team where that can be something that's repeatable even if you're not, you know, dropping 30 every week.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think we just have to look back at some of these teams that turn into total disasters like last year's Eagles that the line went through multiple combinations was never healthy. Today, healthy line and how about the defensive line that down the stretch when the Falcons were becoming predictable and Matt Ryan was stuck in pass-only situations, was completely and totally harassed. Um, Javon Hargrave played great. The Falcons left guard, Gerald Mayfield, had his name mentioned for the wrong time way too often today because he got smoked a number of times. And so it was a bad matchup for Atlanta, but that's, it's because the Falcons are completely legitimate up front, or the Eagles, I should say.
0: Let's move on. St. Juice in coverage. That's where he's looking. That's where he's throwing. Mike Williams caught touchdown. Mike Williams and the big body in St. Juice never had a chance. That's my power rankings, buddy and the voice of God for the Around the NFL podcast. Matt Money-Smith of KYSR with the call. Justin Herbert wasn't perfect, but he led scoring drives of 75, 76, and 68 yards. Toss that go-ahead touchdown to Mike Williams. Secures the bag. 2016 win over the Washington football team. Now, let's welcome in the pipe for another season on the flagship show, Nick Shook, Herbert continues to look special, and Washington has concerns. Uh, I,
4: I would be concerned if we don't clip secures the bag as a drop in the future.
3: Because <laughs> it really wasn't like a correct usage of it, right? I mean... Right, exactly. Yeah, you know, getting the W didn't you can get that didn't money. Really it's all about now. money. Right, but <laughs> I mean, he's not getting the money. When is he going <laughs> to get the money? In like three years.
4: I guess we'll just say that it still works. Um, I can't stay that, up with you, hip kids. Go ahead. Shook. Yeah, I mean you try. That that's I that's know. showing that you're trying so far. Um, yeah, I, Justin Herbert. I'm telling you what. You know, we we saw what he did last year and he, rookie of the year, offensively, and everything's great. But you always have that question going into year two: Is there going to be a sophomore slump? Is he going to take? You know, is he going to continue moving forward? And and all I saw out of him today was a calm and cool and collected quarterback who looked wise beyond his years and basically served as the difference in a game that Chargers teams of years past would have lost. They would have found ways to lose it. There were moments where they – I'm sitting there watching it going, oh, that's the crushing penalty that gives Washington another chance. They go down and score. They end up winning this game by three points or whatever – there was late in the game where they force a fumble and the Chargers get the ball in their own territory. It's third and long. And what does Justin Herbert do? He steps up in the pocket and rips one down the middle of the field for a first down. He did it on multiple occasions on that possession alone. And honestly, they probably would have won by more if his receivers would have figured out how to catch the ball in the first half. So, mm. um, I, you know, Chargers fans who have dealt with so much crushing heartbreak, especially in recent years, they got to be really excited after watching this, knowing that they have a quarterback who, more often than not, if their defense plays adequately, is going to be able to throw them to close victories.
1: Well, I know also, you know, Washington lost Ryan Fitzpatrick in this game. and We can get into it. But, you know, first takeaway, small sample size, but of the Joe Lombardi offense, which we talked about on Thursday, does it look like a Saints-ish offense, or is there Shanahan elements like you mentioned? Does, did it stand out to you to have a certain vibe?
4: Uh, I would say, yeah, there are definitely some Saints-ish to it, but they throw the ball further downfield than they did Uh, in the final years of of Drew Brees with the Saints. So I think that there's kind of an adjustment because you have a quarterback who's more capable at this stage in his career. When he's younger, he's got a live arm than the Saints did down the stretch with Drew Brees. But, I mean, you got to be encouraged by what you saw. I know they only put up 20 points, but they had a lot of opportunities where they probably could have scored more, like I said, if these guys had just executed. There was even a moment, I think, in the second half where Keenan Allen had a catch-and-run and and he just dropped the ball during the run. He was able to recover it, you know, averting a, a disaster. But um, it took them a solid two and a half quarters to kind of rediscover that they had hands and then put them to work. So I think if you kind of clean that stuff up, you get that in week one, you know, from time to time and continue to move forward. You're going to be in a situation where this offense is going to look a lot better than I think um, it has in past years. Because, you know, you have the weapons. It's just really been down to execution and uh, and being healthy. And they got for the most part, they got all that to come together. Mm. So what happened with Fitzpatrick? Uh, He was tackled by Yuchenna Nwosu um, and, and suffered a hip injury. And it was really strange when it actually happened because you couldn't quite tell. It looked like a pretty normal sack, but he couldn't really get up and he needed help walking off and everything else. And um, he was done after six attempts. So it was really early. Oof. But oddly enough, you know, you think we think about all the excitement that Ryan Fitzpatrick has created over the years with his many stops with different teams. And you're like, well, that's got to take a lot of juice out of him. But Taylor Heineke actually did the opposite. He injected some life into them. Their problem was that they couldn't close the deal, they couldn't finish drives. And we do see that a lot again in week one as well. Teams that show potential, but they haven't quite figured out how to finish off drives by getting points. And that's ultimately what uh, kind of did them in, especially fumbling down the stretch late.
3: Right. The Chargers, you know, sneakily had almost a dominant offensive performance here. They only had eight drives. They reached the red zone in six of them. So yeah. you're right. Like there were those Charger moments. There was the, it was kind of a fluky fumble from Herbert where he was trying to throw the ball and they slapped it out as he's throwing it. And, you know, it ends up being Washington ball. And then there's an interception. But to end the game on on a 15 play 82 yard drive to me that's like the best way to end any games and then you're just kneeling on it they should give style points like yeah I-, <laughs> I guess they covered anyway so it doesn't matter but they should after the game a judge should award them five at least five extra style points for that drive
4: there, there were a few throws in that drive where I actually like audibly yelped like where he just con- connected with Mike Williams down the side. And I was like, Oh, Oh wow. You know, yeah, he was I'm firing me up. I was I, at one point, I think I might have tweeted. I know I wrote about it in the recap. I would trust Justin Herbert. If I had to defuse a bomb, I would call in Justin Herbert to cut the proper cords and avoid blowing us. all. I up. mean,
1: Dan, the Titans could you could use that? Oh, that's a nuclear bomb. I'm not sure
4: you yeah, can different, stop different that. Different
0: properties, but... different mechanics to it. But uh, <laughs> it, when I didn't see a, a, a stitch, I didn't see a second of this game. So, uh, but, but, Based on what people are saying about Herbert's performance, which doesn't sync up with the box score, I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, the Chargers have a good one, and we'll see. This Ryan Fitzpatrick injury, I believe I'm seeing some reports out there. It's a multi-week situation, so Taylor Heineke is going to get his chance. Including Let's head- Thursday
3: night. Thursday
0: night, the- four days against the Giants. Let's head, speaking of the Giants, to the swamps of Jersey. Gordon off the right side of the big hole. 40, 45. Here we go, midfield. Gordon, 45, 40. Pulling away. 35, 30. 20.. 15, 10, 5. Touchdown, Denver! 70 yards for Melvin Gordon. Oh, oh, bongo time. So you got to get in the groove of the bongos. I
3: mean, if when she sends this on social, no one's looking at me. They're looking I just at do like little, little ones to do, do this, right? Because
0: you don't really have the flow. bongos. I'm not the only one. They'd I've Logan. got the shirt for it at least when you say <laughs> looking good. KOA with the call. <laughs> Melvin Gordon says, Don't fade me yet, fantasy heads.
4: Yeah. Uh, Give me the bag like, on my next contract negotiation. No. <laughs> no, it was one run. It was one Secured run. Otherwise, it. <laughs> Secure it the bag
0: really otherwise. for me. One run. Seventy yard touchdown run. It was the clincher for the Broncos. Cruise to set twenty seven to thirteen win over the Giants uh at MetLife Stadium. Uh shook uh Teddy Bridgewater two touchdowns in his Broncos debut and the Denver defense had all the answers against New York
4: you know watching Teddy Bridgewater play quarterback can be an adventure sometimes because every time that he does something that makes you think like we did early in his career that oh this guy can be a franchise quarterback there are a few plays where he's slow to, to decide to deliver the football or he makes a mistake or whatever it is we're like oh that's what's always held him back and i think it was perfectly captured surprisingly on a touchdown pass that was completely chaotic uh in the second half he rolled out to the right and it looked like it was just going to end in complete disaster and then he finds the tight end albert albert oh we're going to call him because i don't want to try to pronounce his last name and he sneaks into the uh, end zone on the front right pylon and it was and it was another one of those things where you're sitting there going oh no oh no oh, oh, all right all right they scored um but i do see why Vic Fangio picked him because, for like the stat line says, for the majority of the game, he was a very serviceable, if not better, quarterback. And he kept their Gosh, offense yeah. moving. I mean, the, the, some of the points they scored late were kind of just tacked on. It was a close game until about late in the fourth, midway to, or late in the fourth quarter. But you got to be, you know, pretty excited because. Serviceable or better, if you can get what you expect out of the Broncos' defense, should make them somewhat of a contender. It's it's going to be uh, you know tough mm. to battle with the Chiefs, but it should make them at least a competitive team instead of the team that they've been in recent seasons. I mean, they put up a 420 yards offensively.
3: 420, am I right, Denver? Hey, that's the right city for it. Um, <laughs> it's like, what more do you want? If they put up 400 yards a week, they're they're going to go to the playoffs, and I'm going to win my sandwiches. Mm. I, now, winning on the road uh, is is you know, impressive when you do it comfortably, but this Giants team seems like it—it it has some problems, Shucky. That—that this week didn't, you know, make you feel any better about them. I'm sure. Yeah,
4: and that's the perfect lead-in too, because while I said Teddy Bridgewater is an adventure, Daniel Jones is is a damn roller coaster, and he's a roller coaster with an 88 degree drop on the first, <laughs> second, and third hill. Because as soon as you get down, you go, "Oh, all right, well we survived." Here we go. Here's the big hill. Oh my God, we're dropping again. Daniel Jones with a textbook fumble at a bad time that kills a drive, making mistake, and Change then making the game. A great play, and then making another mistake, and then ultimately digging themselves too much of a hole to get out of, you know, not being able to convert on fourth down on the edge of the red zone late in the game when you absolutely have to have it. it, it I hate to say it, but as I watched it, I'm like, man, Giants fans just have to be absolutely exasperated. With Daniel Jones, because again, it's just like it was last year and, and somewhat in the year before, too. He shows flashes where you're like, man, this guy can make a play. Wow, he's talented. He's athletic. He's got a good arm. But he can never really quite get out of his own way. There are, and that was really what did them. There.
0: I saw a, a good tweet on, on Twitter from one. I wish I remembered who it was. It was one of the uh, guys who covers the Giants um, who wrote, Daniel Jones is good until he's not. And that's the problem. Like, just when you feel like, okay, he's in a groove, we're in the right direction. Maybe this is something to build off. That fumble, that fumble killed him. And I'm not saying they're going to win that game because the Broncos were just the better team. Uh, but it's just, it's all the air goes out of the balloon in that building after it, that it, fumble. And
1: I'd say like 10 years ago when we started doing all this, like there were a dozen teams that had somewhat flaky quarterbacks, and there were five or six that had terrible quarterbacks, and there was a dearth. Of quarterbacks, that's obviously changed in the last three or four. And you can't have a quarterback that's being described and is living up to the description as a roller coaster. Mm. It but doesn't you also, work. He,
3: you also like need more from the running game and in, in Saquon Barkley. It's like I, I read so many articles. How how much of a difference it'll be with Saquon Barkley? And he goes, you know, ten for twenty six. Their first round pick, Kadarius Tony, has two catches for negative two yards. Like. Denver is going to present a lot of problems to a lot of offenses I think even even without you know Bradley Chubb I don't think played today right but it's still I don't know I just you don't see a lot of answers and they suddenly that that uh, Thursday night game it's like one of those teams is going to feel very dark at Owen two.
4: yeah there seems to be a lack of balance with this offense and and almost like they need Daniel Jones to prove it but they're it's mm. not quite that they're putting too much on his plate, but that in these in these scenarios, you know, thirty-seven passes is not a ton of passes. But they were never down by a margin that would necessarily say that you have to air it out until we got pretty late in that game. It's just they don't, you know, they you have the glimpses, you have the touchdown pass to Sterling Shepherd, but there's too much in between that just it just leaves a lot to be desired. They also
1: had, I think, maybe the worst summer of anyone on offense. I mean, outside of maybe one or two teams, and half those guys that you mentioned, Greg,
3: barely played all August, so it's going to take some time. Jerry Judy looked for all the world like he had a season-ending injury. They announced after the game that it was a high
0: ankle sprain. Tom Palosero
3: oh. reported that too. That's even more stunning and I was also great news that.
0: than Makai Beckton because you know we don't you know you don't want to be graphic about it, but that looked like one of those you know leg injuries where the leg is not attached the way it should be anymore. Good, that's great news too. But maybe in general a
1: we shouldn't be eyeballing injuries from like our living rooms.
3: Uh, we know, didn't, you know, we didn't do anything. I, I'm not We're
1: pointing just... at you specifically; just the general public. When a player who is clothed goes on the ground, we may not know everything that's happening with the person's body. That's all. Just uh, I don't, to, boy, I, don't, don't,
0: I don't follow your take totally. Yeah,
3: that one I, was yeah. gruesome. It, his, 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 it looked like the bone I'm was saying sticking the facts suggest that it's not. It yeah.
1: looked like that to you, but the facts suggest that it's not quite as severe as you think. So, my point Thank is, you, you wait Mark. a little bit; just let it, you know, settle. Can it's I move like on the with facts. the show? Thank you. Please do.
0: We're on to Cincinnati. Burrow back to pass. Has time. Throws it downfield for Uzama. Oh, he baby. has it at the 30, oh, the baby. 25.
2: Oh, out of bounds oh, at the 20-yard line. Woo. What a gutsy call. And what a <laughs> throw by Joe the Magician.
0: Oh, what a day. For the Bengals, Dan Ford. WCKY with the call. Dave Lapham there, too. Evan McPherson kicked a 33-yard field goal. His time expired in an OT to push the Bengals to a 27-24 win over the Vikings. And shook. You know, we've talked about Zach Taylor on this show as a faceless entity entering the season, what an important season for his career. And I thought he gained one with mm. a gutsy-ass play call in that spot to set up the game-winning kick. Good job by Zach Taylor. Good job by Joe Burrow. Good job by the Bengals.
4: Yeah, and it wasn't the only time in that game where you saw a play call where you're like, wow, that was perfectly timed, that was genius. It felt like he was getting into a rhythm. You know, you want to talk about a lack of balance with other teams. The one thing I thought the Bengals were really hurting with last year was dropping back Joe Burrow to pass 45, 50 times a game behind the offensive line, which is better now than it was then. It's still not great. They only had 27 pass attempts today joe mixon ran the ball 29 times for 127 yards that's the balance that you need to be effective and end up winning these close games the only thing that really mattered to me that kind of um i didn't enjoy was the fact that there was this push and like tug of war of, of sorts as some ambulances and cop cars drop by i'm sure you guys can hear that gritty but, city life uh, with nick show yes, the, the gritty uh, the, the downtown city life <laughs> rough um, night in cleveland yeah yeah well that's every night there was this, this tug-of-war of sorts where they were just – it's kind of like when you see a team spend a lot of time between the 20s, and, and that's where they were for a lot of the final quarter and then going into overtime. And it was like, all right, you guys need to break one. He had a great play, play call where they got to CJ Uzama off a tight end leak that got him down into you know, scoring territory that I was like, wow, that's a great play call. But really, if they have this type of balance, they can be competitive and they can win these close games. It's just that they have to commit to it. It helps, of course, when you can get a good day out of Joe Mixon.
1: You know, I the, I saw that throw to Uzama, and I like the Burrow's response to it too. He was so fired up and you can tell his teammates love him and like talk about another guy that had a rough summer and they've showed so much faith in him and I love what he did today. Why I don't like a game where Kirk Cousins is throwing the ball, what was it 49 times? Yeah. Did they just shut down the I mean if you're the Vikings, you wanted to run the ball all day long and have Cousins throw the ball about 20 fewer times than that.
4: Yeah, that's usually your formula to victory in, in Minnesota. But they were down by two touchdowns in the second half, so they kind of had to get things going. And I'll tell you what, if, if we give Zach Taylor credit, he also had a moment of faceless entity where he opened the door for them to come back. You know, he went for it uh, in his own territory, didn't get it, sets the Vikings up for a quick score. They get the ball, they go down, they least score, it's being and all of back in the game.
3: At least it's I being mean, aggressive. But you're right. Yeah. Um, the, the whole ending sequence was weird. Like, Cousins was totally bailed out um, by... By his kicker, after really like managing the two minute situation in a way that you're just like a veteran quarterback shouldn't be. <laughs> I guess I'm just you're just used to like the, the Brady's of the world, like knowing kind of what to do. Uh, but he got it close enough, and Joseph then hits it. And then that Dalvin Cook, fumbles it in overtime. Both offensive lines, just looking at the stats in terms of QB hits, tackles for loss, could be really. Bad all season, or at least at the beginning of the season, both defenses kind of. I have a
0: Vikings fan buddy from back home, who is very salty and unhinged on text a lot about his team, and he thought that they got totally jobbed on the the fumble of Dalvin Cook. Was that uh, was that something that could have went either way because it it swung the game? If so,
4: I mean it was close. But if you're talking to somebody who's a Vikings fan, uh, I would imagine that you know a little bit of the bias (laughs) comes in, right? It it could have gone either way.
3: It didn't surprise me at all that they didn't overturn it. Right. Uh, it, it looked bang, bang, and whatever what, what happened on the field was going to happen.
0: How about Jamar Chase, by the way? The- Five for 101. Talk about bad summers. And it just goes, again, We the first Sunday wipes it all away because everyone is saying, this guy's not ready. We're, we're mocking him about the comedy made about how the college football is different with the, the white mark around the edge on the ends of the ball. All that mark, all that's gone now because he, he steps in and delivers a 5-for-101 and a touch in his first game, Shookie.
4: Yeah, three tar- his first three targets were receptions. He gets the long one for the touchdown. Looked a lot like Burrow to Chase from their LSU days. And we also might have learned that Jamar Chase is never going to be brutally honest with us in, in press sessions ever again.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's what you get. And uh, it's just a bad loss for the Vikings. That's a-, that's a bad way to open your season. I know maybe Cincinnati's going to be a frisky team this year. Maybe this isn't the first time. They're going to surprise the team who thinks they have a, a W on their schedule, but you, you, you know, you open up that way. And I know how these schedule makers work, by the way. Uh, I'm not, I'm looking at it in real time. They'll, they'll give you a quote unquote cookie in week one, but then they give, put you in a tough spot right after that. And yeah, well, you know, it could be worse, but they have at Arizona, they might have to go to the desert and get the bomb dropped on them, you know, next week and then home against Seattle, then home against the Browns. So you don't get that win against Cincinnati, and now you're in t- you're in a tough situation here, and you're you're clawing for your life in September.
4: Yeah, and and I don't know if, how much of the preseason that you managed to really like really tune into with them, but like Mike Zimmer had this halftime press conference. I think in Week One it was you know just a little like sideline thing, not a press conference, but a sideline thing where he just like unloaded on his team. It was when they played oh, Denver because they looked terrible. He was
1: one of the most annoyed coaches around. I mean, he's generally a little salty, but um. It seemed to be peaking. I, I I witnessed some of that.
4: Yeah. So he that has essentially kind of carried into the regular season because <laughs> they looked a lot like that team in the first half before they ended up making up the deficit. That does worry me about them going forward. All right, shook. Going forward, I hope you will continue to be with us because you
0: are a weapon and a pipe. A pipe is a weapon. So again, the nickname is perfect. Uh, it's and a Greg's force coming object, around on yeah. it. I could tell. Look at that. He's like,
4: I get it. <laughs> oh, no, it makes no. sense now. Just stop The pipe's hype. a weapon. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I'd like to be a weapon instead of the opposite. J.R. Smith
0: was six man of the year. He There's was all a these connections. Cleveland, important city for a lot of people in the Midwest. Anyway, Shook, <laughs> thank you, buddy. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Now, on to Sunday night. Enough of that. Oh yeah, to the highlight. Rolling left after the fake, he's going to air it out
3: deep downfield. Has a man open, and it's caught at the 15-yard line by Van Jefferson, and he
0: gets up and rumbles to the end zone. Matthew Stafford with a bomb. He's got the great arm, we know that, and then Jefferson makes the catch, rolls over, doesn't get touched, and takes it in. Yes, Al Michaels, the legend, with the call for NBC. Matthew Stafford connected on three touchdown passes, including that wild uh, catch and run by Van Jefferson. And a game that was a little closer than perhaps the final score indicated, but also that's about right. 34-14 over the Chicago Bears. The Rams triumphed in their first game in front of fans at SoFi Stadium. Mark... I feel like this is exactly what the Rams had in mind. Uh, if they could have drawn up their first game with Matthew Stafford in front of the home fans in the shiny new stadium on in primetime. This was it, a clean, tidy 34-14 victory.
1: In, in every possible way. I mean, oh, not okay. a beat once. He's back. It's an He's old trope. Back. She's back. I mean, it would be it would be you know if that were Erica's original gag, that would be even more effective. But if you want to pull gags from days ago, that's fine. Years ago, um, I can take it. Would you um, say that is
0: a manufactured joke? Okay, no. go. <laughs> Whose original gag was that? That's a well, Sydney. That was a uh, that had, a that was from the uh, Sydney
1: realms. I mean, I Erica like has many effective gags of her own. Trust it's me. It's also a bit of
0: a low blow because that's it's part of the show's history. It's not Erica's fault that that's one of the, that's a greatest hit and it still works. That's, right. But if, gonna if I'm
1: going to be attacked, I can attack back. That's how this works.
0: That's fair, too.
1: You know, I don't, it, I don't, I don't, it doesn't please me to attack Erica on that front, but you just said she, had she to. pressed the button. So. That's how it works. Do you want me to say anything, or have I? Is
0: that enough for me? Another nuclear bomb goes off in the desert. (laughs) (laughs) No, go ahead.
1: Uh, No, I mean, I just would say that. First of all, I think outside of the four of us, everyone else from our office went to this game apparently in suits and ties, and they're sitting up in the seats. So (laughs) I'm very happy for them. I like everyone on Instagram that I know from our work is like taking (sighs) shots from SoFi Stadium. I mean, so incredible. Every single one of them. Um, you could not design a more um, perfect opener on offense for the Rams. Uh, because with the first shockwave of the offseason was the we're upgrading at quarterback, we're moving on from Jared Goff, we're getting Matt Stafford. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs>
0: Ricky savage in week. No, week. but she's going to be annoyed getting
1: because I has got a little bit of Greg in her where if you take a shot at Greg, Greg's going to his the, the wheels are going to spin inside the mind for the next minute or two. <laughs> I'm going to get this comment out very quickly because I'm not going to have this happen again. <laughs> Last year, I mean the the Rams had two touchdown passes of over 40 yards. Stafford tonight did all of it in one evening. He was sensational and I might have been one of the people that thought like what are we sure we're getting in Matthew Stafford after all those Lions years? Great quarterback, good arm. Maybe great quarterback, I don't know, but tonight he just looked like he completely mind melds and fits with Sean McVay. And you know, all that I needed to see was the smile on Stafford's face at the end of the game, walking Blowing. up and down the sideline. I mean, we have not seen Matthew Stafford smile s- like that. Ever I'm so, so, I happy think you brought
0: that up, Mark, because that right. was he was glowing as he was going up and down that sideline.
1: No, I just think it was you know what it, well, it was closer than than perceived, but that doesn't really bug me at all because I think the Rams took their completely took their foot off the gas at the end. They are a deep strike, um, intriguing passing offense, and after what they watched the rest of the NFC West do today, there was pressure on them to deliver, and they did
3: just that. Oof, that's a good point. NFC West undefeated, NFC North winless. So there's two uh, different divisions. I, you know, I, I wasn't on the gram, you know, I'm more of, I'm like a football guy on Sunday, so I didn't see that, but I do know, uh, (laughs) I do know. uh, I care
1: about people and friends. Our friend,
3: uh, you know, our great friend, Lakeisha Wesseling, she's not in a suit and tie, but she was in, in the crowd watching this game and enjoying this game and um, you know, yelling for Cooper cup. So I think that's awesome that they got, got her the victory and you do almost get the feeling like that the bears were like served up. I mean, you don't want to be too conspiratorial that, you know, they get good ratings, the bears, but it was almost like it felt like they were served up on this night. And it was almost like everything we've been saying for the last four months about like, don't put Andy Dalton on Sunday night football. And we no one wants to see that. And then it's like, here it comes. And you kind of like see Matt Nagy's galaxy brain thinking of like why he would start Matt, uh, you know, Dalton because they're, they're already short at tackle. They lose Jason Peters. Then they lose their backup tackle. The bears actually had six more first downs in this game, like 19 more plays. You know, they, they moved the ball up and down. I think they went into Uh, Rams territory six straight times. The first six times Mm -hmm. they had the ball, but they kept coming up short on fourth downs. You know, there was that tip play by the Rams early. And so if you're Matt Nagy, you're like convincing yourself somehow that this is like a better thing to do to put the veteran in. But in the end, it's like, uh, you just threw the ball 38 times. Only one play went for more than 11 yards. You got Jared Goff and the Rams now got this whole new offense. It's like, Hey, maybe we don't need to work so hard and go 14 plays every drive. We can just go 50 bombers here and there and, uh, that, be on our way. Go win. The that Rams
1: was, had like 33 plays, you know, into the fourth quarter. It's, it's when you can cover 58 yards on one throw, it's less plays.
0: And that was a missing aspect of their offense last year. Absolutely. And the idea was, oh, now we have Deshaun uh, Jackson and that's going to take care of business there. Well, no, Van Jefferson said, I can do that stuff. Give it to me. Cooper Cup, the Yak monster. I can get a a chunk plays if you give the ball to me in space. And, you know, color me a little bit suspicious when – Um, you know, late in the telecast, you hear Collinsworth start to say, well, this is a problem with Justin Fields. Uh, Andy Dalton gets the ball to his receiver when he pops open and Justin Fields is slow to go through his progressions or holds on to the ball for too long. I mean, that felt like I could have been fed to him straight from Nagy and the brain trust in Mm. Chicago um, who are out thinking themselves here. Um, And again, Andy Dalton, this is, what you know, five and a half yards an attempt um 38 attempts and now he get, they go to back to chicago uh to play the Bengals, the Bengals team that might be better uh who knows but they look very good uh today anyway and uh, it's a tough spot so whether justin fields is ready or not he's coming soon that's that's one thing i took out of this game and the other thing the other thing i took out of it is and i think i'm gonna put them in the top five maybe even the top three of the power rankings i might get frisky here i just love this rams team i like the mix on, on both sides of the ball and i this this McVay Stafford thing, assuming if Stafford can stay healthy, I think this is gonna be a special season for the Rams, twelve or thirteen wins. I mean McVay's need to stop talking about Jared Goff though. Like every quote
3: is like he's trying to make it sound good, but it makes it sound worse when he's like, Well, we really want to thank Jared Goff for making us the type of team that Matthew Stafford wants to go for. That's not a compliment. He already uh, put like, six
0: slugs in his back and dumped him in the Pacific. Let's go. Holland <laughs> <you. College
3: laughs> said he wanted he wanted a partner, not a student. Well, that we know that's not a compliment, but no, that, that is not that, <laughs> a, that is a tough one. Um I one my other my other big takeaway was though. This Bears defense has lost some players over the mm. years and it you know when they're going through all the the starting lineups and they do like the PFF ranks at the bottom it's like half the Bears starting lineup doesn't have PFF ranks cuz they didn't play last year you know or they didn't play enough or they're rookies or they're randoms so like it's you got a couple you've got a couple of really good players but it's not a difference making defense anymore and if you don't have that I think you do have double digit losses. I mean, you know, it's like
1: our producer and friend Matthew Tanton was up in the stands, something like section two twenty eight or whatever, and he tweeted that (laughs) he was closer to Cooper Cup than any Bears defender. So you're right. I mean, you could trust the Bears in Matt Nagy's first year to score. The defense alone to generate, you know, a touchdown,
0: turnovers, and great field
1: position. It's not (laughs) happening as easily
0: right now. Think about think about how fun it must have been. Like all our colleagues, this they is probably not, this all is on Mark's together. radar. They probably all got yeah. together at the commissary, and like sure. they were wearing their little like outfits or their jerseys, and maybe they had a couple pops, or you know, maybe that who knows? Maybe they uh, uh, because we're so close to the stadium, maybe there's a little place you could pop in and get a little loose before the game. Then they all went into there, and they were enjoying the pomp and circumstance. But then here we are, grinding, sitting in our little holes, our caves. Yeah, I just ordered.
1: Work. I ordered takeout food that is um, an hour late, and all I can see on the app is that the <laughs> car that was bringing it just stopped somewhere in like South Englewood.
0: Yeah, it's at the bar with everybody from the Rams game. Well, that's probably <laughs> yeah, exactly I'm where sorry. he is. Everyone else, if nothing alive. else, they gave
3: you a short game, Mark. I mean, this was the this had to have been the shortest game of the of the week, less than three, like well, less than three hours. So you know, well, yeah. you know, maybe he's warming up to these Rams if if they
0: if, get yeah, him out of work. I give him a lot of credit recap. for that. Yeah. 10 minutes into the recap of this game. Um, All right. Good stuff. We're on to week two. We're on to week two. Good uh, week one in the books. Um, Coming up, uh, we'll have a podcast on Tuesday. From the... Are we back together on Tuesday? No, Thursday is our hopeful day one in the studio. So Tuesday is the next time you'll hear from us. So enjoy this uh, extra long edition, the week one uh, super flagship show. Um, The two-hour Around the NFL broadcast on Friday, I implore you guys to check that out on NFL Network. That will also be, we'll be back in the studio. So this is now happening. We are moving out of this uh, remote world, hopefully for good. And um, we thank you uh, for sticking with us during this time. And I thank a special thank you um, as we get to the end of this uh, yellow brick road, hopefully, uh, to Erica, Ricky Hollywood herself for doing such an awesome job this whole time. Um, getting us through this technological maze. But uh, all right, any any other thoughts on uh, week one before we? I, I
1: also would
3: thank Erica. That's my final thought, and there's a, you know a lot of appreciation.
0: Mark with a C. I,
3: <laughs> I also want to thank Erica, and I I just want to thank the listeners, because um, this is the last time I'm going to be able to say this all, all year. Football is back. I mean,
0: <laughs> oh my god, and no. that's it. It's over. <laughs> I can't with you guys, you're just so ridiculous. Alright, <laughs> that's it. Dan Hen signing off for a Quiet Storm and the old boss and Ricky Hollywood. Till Tuesday. The Woo!
2: We did it!